Welcome to You Can't Kill Me, every Slipknot song one by one. We are Chris Nee and Dave Musson, and we're here today to talk about our favourite Slipknot song, Skeptic. Hello to you, Dave. Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm all right. Um, emotional one, Skeptic. Yeah. Probably unique in the Slipknot canon in that regard. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think given who we have talked about a lot in our, what is this, 15 episodes so far, feels like a a fitting one to round off this season with, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. It feels like the time. I've, I've picked it on that basis, that we've spoken so much about Paul Gray in recent episodes that it feels like, given we have to get to every song eventually, it's a good moment to, to get into Skeptic. So just to rewind a little bit, the purpose of, of this podcast is to select one Slipknot song for every episode. We put it under the microscope and then we're going to score each one out of nine because Slipknot and create a ranking at the end of the whole series um, of Slipknot's best and worst songs. The context of, of this song is so important to, to what it is and to analysing it properly. Before we, we get into um, the the deeper meaning behind it, what we're looking at is, is um, a song from the first album without Paul and Joey, point five, The Grey Chapter. First album with Jay and, and V-Man. An album that went to, to the number two in the UK and and a song that it doesn't feel like a single it was a, it was um, apparently Dave the eighth single from the grey chapter and mm. a song that according to Corey Taylor outsold Taylor Swift on iTunes for one day wow yeah as there's this weird thing with this song if you'd asked me what track number it was I would have put it much later and I've got no idea why that is I have exactly the same Thought presses. I, I, I had to double check when I wrote in my notes that it was track six. Like that, that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem yeah. right at all. But there it is. It's track six. It's really weird, and it's it's meaningful um, simply in its writing credit as well because this is a Corey and Jim song, mm. and they're the two guys who've really had to step up because Joey and Paul were writing powerhouses in in this band. Yeah. Um, so it feels fitting that they are the the duo that's credited with with this song, which, without sugarcoating it at all, this is a song about Paul Gray. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, the review of Metal Injection, um, slow hand clap to this reviewer who said, "I'm near positive this one is directly about Gray's death." <laughs> I saw a lot of that. I, I think my favourite one was Metal Sucks. Um, who said that it's either about Paul Gray or Paul Gray or possibly Paul Gray. <laughs> they get it. Um, it is, of course, a, a, a tribute to the late Paul Gray, who who um, passed away in 2010. And in being a tribute, it is lyrically unbelievably raw by typical Slipknot standards. Mm. There's nothing to read into this. There's no metaphor. We spoke on a previous episode, Dave, about... Um, whether you like the stripped back raw real lyrics of of latter day slipknot i think this is where that peaks not necessarily in terms of quality but certainly in terms of being you know right out there for everybody to to see in its all yeah. its kind of naked glory you said you kind of like slipknot lyrics in that in that fashion does that extend to to this level of we're just going to put it out there i i think on this song because of everything about what the song is about and, and where the song has come from. I think they get a pass for the fact that 
you know, looking at it, taking all of that context out of it, it's not one of their better choruses, and it's it's fine lyrically, but it's. I think this this is probably a step a little a step too far in terms of those those raw lyrics. But like I say, the 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 wider meaning of this song means that they get a pass on that, and it's kind of this this weird juxtaposition of being a celebration of his life while still being this really pained grief filled thing so you know, nobody has the right to tell Slipknot that they shouldn't have done this song and shouldn't have put it out there like I say it's not one of their for me it's not one of their better choruses but there's no there's no shame in hiding that message there and I think it's I think it's more power to them to put something so blatant and on the nose on an album that let's remember is already named after the guy mm. and to still stick it in there at track six in the album and you know, this is this isn't a song for anyone other than Slipknot, isn't it? Is it? So, you know, who who are we to to tell them not to do it? Exactly, and it, this process has been kind of useful for me in terms of understanding where I place this song because I've I've always been better disposed towards this album than a lot of Slipknot fans, mm. and I, I'm not sure quite how I felt about this song, but we do a fair amount of sort of research for this, and I found two things that were kind of interesting. The first is that Kerrang did a feature on the 10 worst Slipknot songs, and this was named as the ninth worst. Hmm. The opinion being that that lyrically and musically, it just doesn't land. Now, Judge Blind, I can understand that view, but I think it's harsh. And more importantly, I, I despite what we're doing here, I think ranking them all is a bit different to just doing a clickbaity feature of like... Well done on being an artist. Thanks for all the music. Here's how your stuff is shit, right? I don't like that yeah. at all. No. Um, but personally, I'm, I'm the same as you, and I find that the, the context is really important. And the, the phrase that I saw that really brought that home to me was just someone just commenting on Reddit, was just responding to somebody who was, was leveling that same criticism. And what they said was that this song is for Paul Gray and the lyrics are what they need to be. Mm, yeah. This yeah. is a song for Slipknot, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Music musically, it's quite scattergun for Slipknot. Look, Slipknot songs usually have a little bit more focus than this one does. It, it feels like they're trying to cram a lot in, and yeah, lyrically, it's as we've already discussed. It's it, the lyrics are there for a particular purpose. I mean, interesting that that Kerrang put it in that feature because I was I was reading on this that um, this actually made Spin Magazine's list of the hundred and one best songs of 2014. It got in there at number 19. Mm. And they described the song as one of the year's most affecting love songs and said it takes Slipknot to surprisingly maudlin heights on the scream along chorus. And I mean, that, that actually got me thinking. This is something I thought for a while and, and it was only really going into this song for this podcast that really reminded me of this. But there's something about when bands from our world do love songs particularly grief fueled love songs that really sets apart metal bands as as being much more than the sort of headbanging thugs that many of the outside world would would see them to be like you've got this song you've got rose of sharon by kill switch engage you've got aesthetics of hate by machine head and i think all of those songs in terms of something that speaks to my soul and really captures an animal reaction to grief. I think metal just does it really well. Like this is far more of a of a way of dealing with somebody's passing than this is a far better way than some sappy mournful thing. Yeah, and better than I candle in the wind. 
yeah i mean i, I don't I, I don't know is that is that just me being a metalhead and enjoying this or, or do you think there's there's something it just feels like metal bands know how to you know because metal bands are quite aggressive by their nature but metal bands who are fueled by grief it often produces something at the very least interesting if not really special i would probably rank rose of sharon and aesthetics of hate as better songs than skeptic mm. But all three are really valid pieces of work, I think. I'm not a huge fan of, of Rosa Sharon and most of the songs around it. Aesthetics of Hate is better than this, comfortably. Mm-hmm. However, I think what, what's interesting about metal bands is that it's not it's not just pure sadness. Yeah. And that's that's definitely true here. It's a heartfelt tribute. It's sad, it's angry, it's guilty, it's full of grief. And it's that complex mix of emotions and feelings that bands like Slipknot are able to get across it it's not just a song of loss and there's a celebration of him here as well in yeah. in the lyrics right i mean to to have your bandmates put a song out there that says the world will never see another crazy motherfucker like you the world will never know another man as amazing as you you'd take that from your friends as, yes. a, as a tribute yeah absolutely you would um and yeah, it really comes through in what the band say about the song as well. Um, Corey, obviously, was was the spokesperson, um, and he said that it's a song about the kind of person that Paul was, just his love for not only music in general, but for this band, and how amazing a personality he was. Um, and the name Skeptic refers to the fact that when everyone would be in the dumps and negative, or just feeling like nothing could get done, he would be the guy who was completely sceptical of all the odds against us. Not your dictionary definition of the word sceptic. No. And that's smart. And that's like, that's a really astute analysis of, of somebody's character mm. to say no, that like it wasn't, that. he wasn't just a big fuck you guy. It was just that he looked at those odds that were being stacked against, they perceived that were being stacked against them and would just face them down. Yeah. It comes back again to what we've said about Paul every time he's come up in this podcast. Just what a force he, he was. And I guess in many ways continues to be for this band. He is, it, it, certainly when he was alive and he was there he he was the soul of Slipknot wasn't he he was he was that that driving force very much so and it becomes then a difficult thing to to criticize and I, I personally am not minded to criticize it too much because I quite like it but when you speak to other Slipknot fans read other reviews I think where it lands is that it's divisive skeptic I think it's certainly nobody's favorite and I I, I think a lot of people hate it and I think a lot of people think it's underrated. I just think it's okay. Yeah, it doesn't help people's general viewpoint of it, the fact that it's on the album it's on, because that album is one that people, are, as you just said about the song, either hate or or, or feel it's underrated. It's it's never going to win in, in, in the setting of where it's at. I like it a lot more than I thought I did, actually. Going, going in and preparing for this, I was going in on this sort of thinking, I, I, you know, like you say, I'm not, not going to, nothing there to criticize and, and nothing to take away from the song and the message behind it. But it was, I probably would have put it lower down than I thought, but it's, it's ended up coming up a bit higher than I thought. I think for me, a lot of that is actually the guitar work here. I, I found yeah. a Jim, a Jim Root playthrough. On oh, YouTube. Yes. One of the cool things about this album and doing this podcast is you get your Jim playthroughs. Yeah, you do. I, what I love about this, that you don't really get until you watch this this playthrough and you they really focus on the guitar parts is the way that Jim and Mick sort of pass their parts to each other. Mm. It's almost like a baton being handed over in a relay race. 
it's just so cool just really clever way of of just switching from left channel to right channel I just it's little things like that that you just look at the you guys are geniuses you are you are absolute geniuses what it does it does well uh, yeah. and I think I would say that if you take the sentiment out of it which I endorse entirely it just it doesn't do anything better or bigger than every other Slipknot song there's nothing that Skeptic is absolutely best at no but when you watch these t- tutorials with Jim you just see how good Slipknot are yeah so you find that you know an average Slipknot song even probably a poor Slipknot song would be the same when you watch it being played you see just how how cool it is and the thing that I sort of learned from watching watching Jim demonstrating this song was that there's very little chill on this song guitar wise mm-hmm yeah, like it, you get. There's a bit at the end of that video, Dave. I don't know if you noticed it, but when he it, he sort of laughs at the thought of teaching the ending. Yes, yeah, and it's pretty chaotic at the end, really. And I don't never really thought about it as a song that that, that has that, but it's got the, the the riffing, it's got the the interchange with Mick, it's got the little squeals that I really like always. Yeah, and quite frankly, it just looks like too much like hard work. Yeah, the the only break they really get on playing on this song is in the chorus, and even then, like. You know, he's sort of he's strumming out those chords for the first half, and then the second half of the phrase is all of the the intricate stuff at the top of the neck. Anyway, like, yeah, it's chaotic, it, and I think that that's what's that's probably given it an extra half a mark in my rating. Mm, is, is going through that that guitar thing because, like you say, you take out the sentiment and everything that surrounds the lyrics, and yeah, it's it's an album track on a Slipknot song, but. <laughs> It's great. It's still great. And there's, they're still just such a talented bunch of musicians that, you know, something that they probably even knew at the time was never going to be a bombastic hit single. It is very much a, an album track. And yet, how many other bands could write a song like that? It's those little things that, that Slipknot do, Slipknot choose that other bands wouldn't, that, that kind of come through again in that, that tutorial video as well, just before we leave that. Um, the little kind of lead squeals. Hmm. Um, where other bands might have a guitar solo, yeah, it shows such a an understanding of who they are as players and as a band that they put that there and it works perfectly. When you know, without naming other names, someone different might really go for it at that point in that song. Yeah, they do what's appropriate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is it too far to call parts of this song quite thrashy? Ooh, I don't know whether I don't I don't know whether thrashy would would have been. Um, it's Slipknot. There's always there is always a sort of undercurrent of thrashiness somewhere. I think whatever song you pick into, really. Yeah. I've for me, it's it's probably fair. It's probably a fair use of the word. It's 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 not necessarily the word I would jump to right away. It just by this point, it just sounds it sounds like Slipknot particularly the way the riffing is it's what what impressed me most again on that playthrough is just how many strings his fingers do run over in some of the verse riffing i I first you know you sort of listen to it in the context of the whole band and it sounds quite quite simple and then you look at what he's doing as you were saying earlier and there's a lot going on there and it's really quite intricate and it's i guess it's that difference between what slipknot did on the first couple of albums to once they got that confidence on volume three to really be more expressive with their musical chops that they can then a few years later come down to writing an album song an album track they're still really difficult to play and really cool but yeah i'd, I'd go with thrashy if, if that's what if that's what you're going with yeah i think i i would i'm happy enough calling parts of it thrashy 
but none of it thrash metal. Yeah, that works. I think definitely. we'll go with that. Uh, right, let's get down to the uh, the nitty gritty then, Dave. Uh, we need to uh, give this song a score out of nine because Slipknot and find out where it slots in amongst the other, what, 14 now songs that we've done so far. So a good time to have a quick look through the rankings as well. But to start with, I want your score out of nine. Okay, my score out of nine for Skeptic is 6.75. Wow. So I, yeah, I was I was quite surprised. So I, I was comparing it to what I've given other songs. The closest ones are sort of Only One and Heretic Anthem on 6.5. And I, despite not being a massive fan of the lyrical content, taking aside the fact that I totally endorse the message. Yeah, I think I've just really got into this song. So yeah, it's it's just, I would sit it slightly above Only One and Heretic Anthem, but below Purity. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? They're um, completely endorsing the message overall, but not being 100% into the actual lyrical content of the song is yeah. an important distinction to make. And it's one that I, I completely agree with. I've gone right down the middle, four and a half. Uh, okay. I yeah. can't move from that in my own mind because that's that's what i think it is i think it's a straight down the middle very good slipknot song that's just slipknot i think describing it as you know an album track on a on not their their best album is probably accurate but i certainly don't dislike it enough to give it a four or below so this is where it is so four and a half for me fair okay so do you want you want the full ranking given that we are at the end of season two now do you want the the full ranking so far let's do that would you like bottom up or top down? Uh, let's yeah, let's let's go reverse order. Let's go bottom up. Okay, so in fifteenth place with three and a half <laughs> is Gehenna. Then we jump up uh, to do nothing bitch slap with ten. Then skeptic comes in third bottom eleven point two five. Then we have the devil in eye and everything ends both on twelve. Then we've got new abortion on twelve point seven five. Only one on thirteen. Purity on 13 and a half. Then we've got Kill Pop, Heretic Anthem and Blister Exists all tied on 14. So that's tied for fifth place at the moment. And then our top four. So, so far, the undisputed four best Slipknot songs. Fourth best Slipknot song is Snuff on 14 and a half out of a possible 18. Vermilion Part 2 is the third best on 15. All Out Life is second best on 15.75. And then Nero Forte at the top on 17 out of 18. That's where we're at after two seasons of this podcast. Very good. Right. I think we should go off and do the actual fun bit, which is uh, picking the songs we're going to do for the next season. Yeah, that sounds like a very good plan. Let's do that. That is Skeptic by Slipknot. You Can't Kill Me is produced by This Decay. That is it for season two. We'll see you around. (laughs) 